this week's episode of the Starting Eleven podcast, we talk about disaster for Manchester United and whether or not they can bounce back from that torrid defeat against Everton. Also, Theo Walcott is in the news for his performance against Manchester United. And can Manchester United hold their own against City? All that and Manchester United coming right up on the Starting United podcast. Hello and welcome to the Starting Eleven podcast. I'm your host, Chengiz Khan, and with me today is Peter Robinson. Support local football as always. And our Lord and Saviour, the one, the only, Justin Borrow has returned. Guess who's back? Back again. Okay, that's fine. That's <laughs> He's <reason>. legitimately <laughs> back from the dead. I, am, I, have re- I have recovered from my farming accident, so all is, all is well over here in Justinville. Although although it must be said, though, ever since he, uh, he did theatre, he can't stop singing, and this is worrying Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, how did it go? How did your, how'd your stage show? It go? actually went... First off, guys, it's not a stage show. <laughs> I don't know what this means. Your production. It, it went really well. Uh, I was so your little I, play group. So I was doing uh, <laughs> Shrek the Musical with the Burlock Theatre Company in uh, Oakville. And uh, it was it actually went really well. Um, we sold out four, five out of the six shows. And um, it was the fastest selling show at the Oakville Center for Performing Arts. Um, and so it, yeah, it went really well. And the crowds were great. And I mean, I'm sad that it's over. And, you know, I took a couple of days to recover because... You know, when you're doing a show like that and you just have so much time to your body, like you don't have time to kind of get sick or to sort of relax. Your body is sort of like on high alert. And as soon as it all ends, your like defense wall drops and everything hits you at once. So I ended up like getting a cold, my like, stuffy nose, like sore throat. It was it was brutal. So it took me a couple of days to recover, but I am back and ready to go. Well, it's good news that you're back because uh, we're I was getting tired of carrying the show without you. Um, and yet it's you're true. carrying I, it today. I had- <laughs> I add absolutely nothing to the show, so I'm glad you're back. <laughs> you're more than a pretty face. <laughs> Just before we get into it, I did see the show, and I thought it was really, really fun. I had a great time out. Um, the crowd was amazing. The production itself was was extremely well done. I was not expecting to enjoy it as much as I did. And obviously, when I saw my man out on stage, I felt a big swelling of pride. Both of these shows, I don't think That's people... That's my man. My man. Uh, one thing I don't think a lot of people realize when it comes to theater or any kind of performing arts is that you do have to be, throughout rehearsal and throughout the actual show, you have to be in a very emotionally vulnerable place for the whole time. So when you come out of it, you feel the ending of the show just that much more. It's like a breakup in a way. It's just all these people you come to know and love and respect and share your life with for the last three, four months it really hits you. But uh, we're going to help him get out of his depression by talking about Everton 4. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going back to bed. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> Can we talk about our, uh, our drinks first? Yes, uh, yeah. we should. We should, we, should talk about, we should talk about drinks. So I am, because I'm under medication, I am having some very classic Lipton yellow label tea with one milk and one sugar. Oh, Peter, what are you having? Um, funny enough, today I have uh, Stave and Steel. It's a California red wine. Um, and the cool part about this is it's aged in bourbon barrels. So you get the smokiness and the, the vanilla notes of the uh, bourbon barrels. So, yeah. Very fun. nice. All right. And I am drinking. So um, when we first got together, uh, the three of us, to kind of work out what we we're going to do for this podcast, um, Peter actually had got me to try sour beer for the first time. 
and I loved it. Uh, it was the most unique and like interesting tasting thing I've ever tried, and, and I've sort of fallen in love with it. So today I'm actually drinking Side Launch uh, Dry Hop Sour. So Side Launch is a brewing company that is in Collingwood, Ontario. So I would say like an hour and a half away from Toronto. And um, yeah, they, they just make a lot of great craft beers. And uh, they're, I've tried a couple of theirs. Their, their Belgian wheat beer is pretty good as well. But this this Dry Hop Sour is is really sort of the the kicker for me. So I, I bought a whole bunch before the uh, stores all closed down for Easter, and I'm on to my last one actually tonight. So here we go. Cheers to the pod. And just just in time because uh, the stores open up tomorrow. We are That's recording right. this on the Easter, the Monday after Easter Sunday. So everything's closed. It's a big sad for everybody who, who likes to uh, drink. Um, <laughs> a big yay for everybody who doesn't. Anyways, let's move on. We are covering the English Premier League in this segment of the podcast. If you are new to the show, we recently split the podcast in two, separating our TFC talk with EPL talk with the view of going more in depth. So hopefully we'll be able to ha- we'll be able to use the extra time today to really go into why Everton picked apart United. Sorry, it's just the biggest <laughs> meme of the whole weekend. Um, but it was bad, do- man. It was bad. Yeah, no. Before we do, though, let's cover some of the other games. Um, first one I want to cover is Cardiff 0-2 Liverpool. Uh, very nervy, honestly, um, by Liverpool uh, for the first 45 minutes. We definitely had the better of the chances throughout. But, you know, the fact that we went a whole half without scoring this late into the season definitely made me clench. Even though the players, they didn't seem worried. There was no negative body language. Nobody was yelling at each other any more than normal. Um, nobody was misplacing passes or getting the letting the pressure get to them. Everybody seemed calm, cool, and collected. And I think the halftime talk by Jurgen Klopp is, you know what? You've come this far. You have 85 points, now 88 because they won. With three games to go, I mean, just keep doing what you're doing. There's not much to change, even if, if you are frustrated, right? I think the funniest thing that you said, Chengiz, was that it seemed like Cardiff was parking two buses. <laughs> yes, it did. It really did. <laughs> Which, it, it really was a, a good representation of what they were doing defensively. They really weren't, other than uh, Morrison had a chance, and other than that, there really wasn't anything going forward for Cardiff. It was a lot of just, let's try and get a point so that we can try to stay up, and I, if if I'm Klopp going in at halftime, my team talk is basically, you guys know how to score goals. This team is fighting to stay in the Premier League. There's this whole gap in quality. Go out and do it. You do. Don't let them dictate the game. And it worked. I mean, that Vinaldum strike was... That thunder strike. That was ridiculous. Amazing. Yeah. And he came in unmarked. Nobody yep. was even looking at him good on him because he he read the defense perfectly i think at this point in the season too like patience is going to be a huge virtue for liverpool because look you're a a team like cardiff you know you expect to win obviously but that being said this is a team that's also fighting for their life in the premier league um you know there's a lot at stake for them as well in regards to money um and things like that so uh, i mean you know i feel like at liverpool just has to continue to be patient and and, you know the goals will come and and i mean it it came in the 57th minute which i understand is probably later than what liverpool was you know hoping for because obviously you want to kind of get that get that one under your belt but i mean i mean i think that it it was coming the whole game you could really feel it i mean you knew cardiff was going to sit back and have all 
11 players behind the ball. Uh, and it was just a matter of, you know, finding that breakthrough. And Liverpool managed to do it because they're, they're a top quality side. And, um, I mean, he knew that was coming. And then, obviously, you know, James Milner finishes it off with uh, with a penalty. And, so. then, and there's a little point of contention with that penalty where Salah initially picked up the ball and then Milner took it off him. But that's just team orders. I mean, name a better penalty taker in the Premier League than James Milner right now. I'll Milivojevic. Milivojevic. <laughs> <laughs> okay um yeah no so so it just came down to team orders it was a little sad to see after the after the game where james milner's instagram and all of his socials were being bombarded by egyptian fans basically saying you know various uh various different variations on fuck you how dare you yada 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 but you know what this is a team game first and salah took it like a champ like he he had the ball, he looked disappointed, but he understood this for the team. And then when Milner scored, he didn't sulk. He went off and celebrated with them. So aside from those two moments, not really a whole much to talk about. Let's move on to City 1, Spurs nil. Another close game. Three close games so in I, like nine I think, days. I think it's safe to say that for this game, it felt like all the energy was kind of put into the Champions League match, which we're going to get to later on. Um, I mean, you know, you had that early goal by Phil Foden um, off that that nice cross from, you know, Silva comes into the box, Aguero heads it over, Foden finishes it. And after that, I mean, you know, there, there was some, um, there was like some signs of brilliance from both teams, but for the most part, it kind of felt like the energy was was kind of, was a little bit low. Would you guys agree? I feel yeah, like, you know, I they, was, they was... gave everything, you know, for the Champions League match, which was one of the best matches of football I think I've ever seen in my life. Um, and so I, I feel like, you know, that's kind of how the best way to describe this game is it was just, you know, a very sort of two teams that were just emotionally and, and you know, physically exhausted. Yeah, that's, that's something I was going to get on to. Um, it was very surprising to see that Pochettino didn't really rotate all that much. I think Eric Dyer came in and I think that was perhaps the only big, big change. Um, aside from that for, uh, that formation change, they're going to, instead of 3-5-2, they went to 5-3-2, uh, basically having the wingbacks play back a little bit. Peter, I mean, you watched the game. How did they play? How did Spurs play? Were they as gassed as they looked? Yeah, I think the problem with Spurs is that they don't have the squad depth of, say, City, Liverpool, um, even Manchester United, to be honest. Um, So when you don't have that squad depth and you had the type of game that you had midweek for Champions League, it really hurts the cardio. It hurts, you know, the longevity of the players in a a game like that, that really, it was kind of back and forth. Um, the Phil Foden goal was early. And then after that, it really seemed like both teams sort of resigned to, yeah, this is what the result's going to be. City, you can have the three points, to be honest. Um, other than the handball uh, that should have been a penalty, really another game of almost no real talking points. Yeah, I mean, we, I was hoping to see more of Son and Lucas because that strike partnership has been very, very productive in the last two games. Was it, again, just a case of fatigue creeping into the into both their games? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Son, he's had a busy season, let's be let's be honest. Mm. His season's been very busy. Um, Mora was injured for a little while, came back. He's He really is missing that first team starting 11 uh, touch and that, that sharpness. Sure. So, you know, it, there was very much a feeling of this is a tired squad. And realistically, I wouldn't be surprised to see a backup squad playing on Tuesday mm. um, 
and even Saturday. Do you think this is a poorly managed situation? Do you think Pochettino has put himself in a bit of a hole because, you know, there's three points now separating four places for top four. If he puts out a weakened squad midweek and even on Saturday, he's jeopardizing that that final that final position. Yeah, I get that, but I think he needs to focus on the Champions League. For Spurs to right. get to the final of the Champions League, they really had the best draw that they could to be playing Ajax in the semifinals. As much as Ajax is flying right now, this is the best draw possible for them. Mm-hmm. So I think he needs to put all his eggs in that basket. You're already missing Harry Kane, so that's your, your top players out. So you need to kind of... Beggars can't be choosers at this point. We don't really have the squad depth. He he wasn't able to spend the money last transfer window. Chances are he's going to have the money to spend this transfer window, but realistically that doesn't help us in the league right now, and it doesn't help us in the Champions League right now. So you need to rest your players and go all out and try to make it the Champions League final. 100%. But let's move on to Everton 4, United 0. By all accounts, a tweet I never thought I was ever going to have to read from the Manchester United team itself was Theo Walcott makes it four. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anybody (laughs) would, in the history of Theo Walcott, (laughs) would have imagined that. Say maybe he's done it for Arsenal one or two times, but. yeah, that was a painful performance to watch, wasn't it? Everything that could have went wrong from the beginning went wrong. Um, nobody, nobody on that pitch, not one of those players was fighting for that team, was fighting for that crest. And you know what? There was a lot of people that were kind of, you know, throwing, you know, the garbage pile on top of OGS, which we knew was going to happen. Like you said last week, uh, the honeymoon period is over for him. And But you know what? Like the players on the pitch need to put the effort in and there it just wasn't there we saw no effort against Barcelona and and we just saw that that lack of effort carry over into this match and unfortunately United deserved what they got and I mean it it was just all around it was brutal I mean Ashley Young I, I really do like him as a as a player as a person but I think it's time for him to go uh, I think he he's well past his prime. Uh, we saw, you know, in, in the Barcelona game that, you know, he had so many issues. And then in this game as well, when he, you know, he just was, I, it's time for him to go. We we don't need him anymore. And I think that it's just that I'm at my wits end with him. You know, the, the, the back line needs to be fixed. And I think like what, what uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said uh, after the match, you know, was, was 100% correct. He said that, look, if you're not here to fight for this team, you're not here to fight for this crest, then in the summer you're gone. You know, like th- this is this is almost like a tryout. Like you're you're here to prove that you have worth, that you should stay. And I like the fact that he said that no one's protected. If he doesn't think that you're here to fight for the team, then then you're out. And he's gonna bring somebody in who is gonna fight for it. And so I, I, I wanna see what he does in the summer. Um I mean I feel like the our top four aspirations are slowly dying. Um, but at the same time, other clubs around us are, are not capitalizing on our failures. Yes. And so that's, you know, that that's a positive sign for us. But I, you know, I'm, I'm frustrated as United supporter. I'm, I'm frustrated because, you know, you expect a, a player like Paul Pogba, you know, for how much money we, we brought him in for to actually, you know, go out there and perform every game. And I feel like he's just, he's too hot and cold for me right now. And I don't well, like Well, that's, that's the 90 million pound question, isn't it? Paul Pogba. I mean, it feels like every single controversy, every single performance seems to go through him. When Pogba plays well, United play really well. When Pogba plays badly, United are just as bad. So is this, is this 
a, a, a consequence of the leftover of the Mourinho era because we did talk about this and we did talk in private as well um, that, you know, Solskjaer has inherited the squad. Solskjaer has inherited the system and he hasn't revolutionized the wheel. He's just made the wheel, he's just oiled up the wheels, really. Now the oil's dried up and it's the rust is starting to show. And it's just a case now of, do you just go nuclear and you nuke the squad, you get everybody out, save for maybe one or two players like perhaps Rashford, uh, Luke Shaw and De Gea and everybody else can go. Or do you keep Pogba because he is that mercurial midfielder? He is that game-winning, World Cup-winning midfielder that any team in the world would be lucky to have. Or do you take your losses and you just go for the nuclear option? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's a bit of both. Uh, I think that you do have to go for the nuclear option. I think at this point we're we're at a stage where we have to rebuild. Um, I like the way that you put it. You know, when when OGS came in, he inherited the squad, uh, and you know he he was able to get you know some some signs of brilliance out of them for a little bit at the beginning, and we we saw that thirteen game run, and and it was great. Now, mind you, we have to look at some of the factors as well. They didn't play you know super um, tough teams. They were they were mid to bottom table teams. Sure. Um, I think Spurs was the toughest matchup we had. Spurs and Liverpool were the two toughest matches we had in that sort of run of form. Um, and you know he did get a lot of good out of them and him coming in but I, I do believe that his permanent appointment has sort of been a part of the issue the reason I say that is because look the players like him the fans like him um I feel like the players were fighting for him because they really wanted him to stay. Now they know he's in for three years. He's locked in. So I think a part of it was the players are now kind of backing off because they don't, I don't feel like they, they, they feel like they need to continue to sort of fight for his job. Um, you know, I'm not saying that hundred percent that's, that's the the case but it kind of feels that way because it's since he's been appointed they've only won one match you know what i mean and to go on a run of of 13 games unbeaten to to this it's just it's it's like night and day and and a lot of it is the fact that look this is an inherited squad that that has a lot of work that needs to be done and so sorry about the roundabout answer but to go back to your to your question i I feel like you need to do the nuclear option i think you do keep paul pogba you know he is a world-class player He's, he's a World Cup winning player. And I feel like you bring players in around him that, that can gel with him. Um, and, you know, you see what you can do next year. I, I really want to see. And that's sort of where, where I'm really interested to see is what uh, what Woodward will give um, OGS to use and then what he takes, what he does with the money that he's given and who he brings in. I'm really curious to see what he who he targets. Uh, it was just announced today as well that um, Phelan's going to be uh, the f- director of football at United, which is you know going to be huge. He was mm. part of the, the Fergie era as well, and and a part of sort of that winning mentality. So hopefully by getting him up there, um, you know, let uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer have the off season to kind of you know bring the players in that he wants and and his formation and his squad and see what he does. And you know if if it doesn't work out and and the wheels fall off the bus, then you know what? Unfortunately, you start over. Well, here's the thing I wanted to kind of ask too, and I think the the best person to ask about this is Peter, because what United have done over the last, what, five years, six years since uh, Sir Alex Ferguson left, is they've spent exorbitant amount of money. Like they've, I think they're the league's second to City. They're the league's high, second highest spending earners. Um, and they haven't produced anywhere near the results required of this, this, this football club. Now, sure, with Mourinho's second season, you won two trophies, correct? Yes. It was Europa League and, and some Europa else. League, yeah. And then we won the uh, FA Cup against Crystal But even, even then, it was arguable that that Europa League, you had the easiest run in ever. <laughs> 
And then uh, for the other competition, again, it was one of those, it was a domestic cup. You know, no team's really going to compete with any of the top six teams, <laughs> traditional we, top we, six We teams. played Crystal Palace in the final, put it that way. <laughs> well, there you go. So those aren't exactly confidence-inspiring trophies to win. I know, Europa League do, I know Europa League does have a certain amount of prestige attached to it, but overall, it doesn't, it hasn't stuck. It hasn't led to United building any kind of dynasty with the players that they do have. They haven't turned themselves into the world beaters that that kind of money, that kind of expenditure would suggest. So, Peter, before Sir Alex Ferguson left, there was a lot made about the United way. And the United way, from what I can tell as a Liverpool fan, as somebody who just doesn't know a whole lot about the United way, was, you know, playing pragmatic football, playing good, honest football, and bringing players in from the youth academy. Now, with Spurs, you guys have built a very solid core that might be gutted in the summer, but we also thought they'd be gutted in the summer last summer. Um, but for whatever reason, they've stayed, and it comes from the manager, and it comes from playing a very good brand of football. So what do you think United should do? Should they keep splashing the cash? Should they go nuclear and spend, you know, half a billion pounds trying to rebuild the squad? Or should they look to promote from within, give stars like McTominay uh, more playing time and try and try and try and get back to what it used to be all about? I think that they they need to go nuclear, but not spend. So they have the assets already in in the pipeline. It's just giving them the first team playing time. You don't want to become Chelsea, where you're buying all these players and your kids can't get into the, the 11. You want to have time and you want to have space for them to come into the 18 and come into the 11 and have that European experience. It's not going to happen overnight. It didn't happen overnight for Spurs, and it's still not happening for Spurs. You know, it's it's something that they still have to work on, and it, it's always going to be a work in progress. Every football club is a work in progress. You can be like City and buy a bunch of good players and spend hundreds of millions of pounds on players, but it doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're going to win a Champions League. It doesn't guarantee that you're going to win a league. I, I don't know what they saw in Fred when they bought Fred. Um, Lukaku kind of really hasn't done what I think they thought he was going to. Um, you can see from uh, Smalling and Jones that they're just not quality enough. For Manchester United uh, same with Lindelof he's very on and off and to be honest the, the whole Pog, Paul Pogba situation he needs to go he he's not playing the United way he's not exuding what United is all about and he's not supporting the young players I feel like he has a very small circle of players that he likes and players that he likes to hang out with and players that like him and it's all, uh, we talked about this on the last podcast. It's all about, let's be mm -hmm. friends with Paul Pogba. And that's all we want. Right. Instead of it being right. about, let's go win some games. Let's go win some silverware. Let's all work together. And I think that he is the catalyst to that issue. I think that if you let yeah. him go and you start to bring in the McTominays and the Pereiras and the Chonks and players like that from the youth squad, you're going to see a little bit of change of fortune at Manchester United, but while you have Lukaku up front, who's probably the laziest striker I've ever seen, and I think that everyone can agree with that. He's not He's not lazy for Belgium, though. No, because they all buy into it. They all came up together. Yeah. You know, it's different. Yeah. He, he was bought by Manchester United to come in and score a bunch of goals. It hasn't happened. Um, so it's time to move on. I think De Gea 
with that whole transfer fiasco that was happening, I think that he needs to move on. I think they need to get younger mm-hmm. and they need to build a team. Give OGS the time to build a team. Don't pull a David Moyes and just say, okay, you've been here for six months or eight months. See you later. It's time to go. It might not It might not be up to him. Gary Neville, you know, who is the most critical pundit working today for, of Manchester United because, you know, he's a United legend and all that. He has blamed the board numerous times about this. And I feel like Pogba was a board buy. What do you think, Justin? Oh, absolutely. He was he was brought in for for name value and and you know to be sort of that that big face of United and <clears throat> like Peter said it hasn't worked out yet. Now that being said, I I I don't want to see him get, getting rid of right now because he has produced a lot of you know brilliant things for this club uh, even mm. this season. You know, I mean, I know there's all the jokes right now that you know when Mourinho left we were in sixth place and 19 points outside of Liverpool and you know we're still in sixth place yada yada but that being said we were not looking to be top four contenders when Mourinho was out and now we are right there in the midst of it so you know I don't really like that whole sort of cop out but you know during that 13 that 13 game unbeaten run you know Pogba was a huge part of that um so I, I don't want to, I think I want to give him a little bit more. Now, that being said, there has been some talk about, you know, is he, you know, is he a toxic player? Is he a, a toxic dressing room personality? I don't know. I mean, the, the reports are sort of so, you know, um, what's Just the word? Yeah. And, and it's so sort of, you know, tabloid based that I don't really know if I want to buy into it just yet. Um, and, but I, I do want to, I say, you know, see what he can do next year. And if, you know, we're in the same sort of boat, then, yeah, ship him out. But I, I do agree with Peter quickly. I think that, you know, we do need to promote from our youth group, you know, give Chong more playing time, McTominay, um, you know, bring these guys up, Pereira, uh, and really sort of let OGS kind of mold them the way that he was kind of molding Rashford and and let let these young players sort of be the the, the new leaders of this club. And, yeah, get rid of Fred. Get rid of Lukaku. Alexis you know, get Sanchez. Rid of get, rid of, <laughs> get rid of Sanchez should be the first guy gone. Get him on a plane today and ship him out because he just hasn't done it for this club. Well, Sanchez doesn't stop running. He just doesn't run particularly efficiently. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Just running in circles. Oh. Peter, you had something to say. It looked like you were about to explode um, before Justin said something. No, just I'm at a point with Manchester United because so my dad supports Manchester United where a lot of the players that they're bringing in, he has no idea who they are. And it's like, they're, they're not necessarily bringing in players for name value now. They're, they're bringing in these players that might have had one or two good seasons, and okay, we'll, we'll splash way more because we're Manchester United, so the asking price goes up on these players. Mm. But they end up doing nothing. You get nothing out of them. If you look at Deli Alley... I'm going to Spurs uh, big up right now. <laughs> but if you look at Deli Ali, we bought him from MK Dons for $5 million. And now he's a, he's a regular inter, uh, England international. He gets into our starting 11, you know, 90% of the time. And realistically, he, he, he's one of our best players. Harry Kane, mm-hmm. we paid nothing for Harry Kane. Also, Ericsson, $11 million, he's could easily go for 80 Yeah, today. like, it's all about... For Manchester United, it's all about buying smart, buying young, and getting and, de- and rid- developing exactly, and getting rid of the the players who are toxic and the players who are eating up your weekly wages 
but sitting on the bench. It may be it may be very hard for United to try and take that kind of position, especially considering that for the for a very very long time they were considered a final destination club, like Barcelona, Real Madrid, to an extent Bayern Munich, Juventus, where they bought players in their prime and then they used them to win everything. And now they're not. But it seems like the board hasn't moved on from that. They haven't accepted the reality of where they are and what they are currently capable of. So. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, regardless, has a devil of a job to do. Pardon the pun, Red Devil. He has a devil of a job to do in the summer. And I think we're all excited to see what he can come up with because he is a very good manager and he's proved it. And that is going to be it for part one of the Starting Eleven EPL edition coming up in part two. We will be quickly recapping the UCL and going over one of the marquee fixtures of the season, the Manchester Derby. All that and more coming right up on the Starting Eleven podcast. Before we kick on, a quick word from our sponsor, Fanatics. Anytime you're looking for your next best piece of soccer merch or sports collectibles, you can help support the Starting Eleven podcast by shopping with Fanatics at xipodcast.com forward slash fanatics. Visiting their shop through our link helps you support your favorite team while supporting our continued efforts to bring you in-depth sports podcasts and content. There's no added cost to you, but we get a commission out of it. So help us help you. Pretty please. Fanatics. Officially licensed everything. Now, let's get back to it. And welcome back to part two of the Starting Eleven podcast EPL segment. Um, something we forgot to mention, <laughs> Andre McRae is not with us today. Uh, he was busy at work and couldn't make the first half, but he will make the TFC recording, so be sure to look out for that in the coming day wait, or two. Wait, work? Who works? This is our job. Oh, he... So wait, he just gets—he just gets a boring. He was at work, but yet yeah, you guys kill me in a Farmville <laughs> accident. This is this is bullshit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, his yeah, that's how his that works. was like a clash oh, okay. of clans accident. I don't know. What do you uh, think, Andre? Yes, would, yeah. <laughs> Andre Andre would have died. Um, I don't know. I feel like something involving Red Bull because it's just full of energy. Something something overconsumption. Red Bull over, OD'd on Red Bull. OD on Red um, Bull. And I completely forgot to uh, mention, did you know that Wendy's burgers are square so that the body burns more calories turning into a turd shape, unlike circular burgers? Wow. Wow. I gotta eat more Wendy's. <laughs> yeah, it's healthier to eat Wendy's. It's healthier to so eat. It, did you know it's healthier to eat Wendy's? Hashtag not nad, please sponsor us. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Let's move on uh, to part two of this segment of the podcast of the thing with all the pauses and hesitations. The City, stuff. We're going to talk about a little bit about the Champions League. City four, Spurs three. Spurs three. It was the aggregate. greatest game I've ever seen in my entire life. Have you I'm guys gonna, caught? Have you guys <laughs> caught your? Have you guys caught your breath yet? I I was, haven't. I was contractually obligated to watch the Liverpool game because reasons i regret every single second of it because it seems like i missed uh i, I suppose one could call it exciting peter the, the single greatest football game of all time i think or 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 at least in contention for that 
No, no, no. Was... The single greatest game of football of all time was Liverpool 4, Manchester United 1. Oh, my God. No, actually, I think it was Everton 4, Manchester United That's right. That's all right. right. All, right. Yeah, no, all, right. right. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. You've had, you've had your fun. Let's, let's, let's get to the good stuff now. <laughs> Honestly, this was... This game had everything. It had disallowed goals, VAR, penalty calls, back and forth... Goals of all different shapes and sizes. But did it have Sterling babes? Scored. Uh, I didn't see any in the uh, oh, in the see, crowd. No, not a perfect oh, yeah, crowd. I mean, I mean, the yeah. game was in cities, so <laughs> yeah. No, slim pickings. <laughs> slim pickings. Manchester City babes. Oh god, it's just as bad as Liverpool. That's that's an yeah. option. That's no, a, nobody, that's nobody a, wants to see a scouse bird's teeth. Honestly, that, that's I'm kidding. A, that, I'm kidding. Casey, we love you. That's an oxymoron. Wow. <laughs> wow. And our website is now going to be taken down. <laughs> she, she is now quitting immediately. No more speak. social media. <laughs> no more. No, social I had I had to save myself there. I had to be like, oh, geez, Casey, she's a Liverpool supporter. <laughs> <laughs> but Anyways. you know what? It, it was just it was so back and forth. I mean, you didn't even have time to to kind of blink before. Next thing you know, there was four goals. You know, on the scoreboard, it was the fastest five goals in Champions League history. Twenty one minutes. Twenty one minutes. Twenty one yeah. minutes. I mean, there was goals scored. You know. Sterling and Sun scored, I think, like 67 seconds apart or something. It was it was something insane like that. It was just, this game literally had everything that you could possibly need. Except for a good defense. Yeah, I mean, for, for a neutral, it made, you know, for fun watching. But to be honest, I, I was kind of leaning towards Spurs in that game because the last thing I wanted was for City to win the quadruple. I mean, it was, it was giving me anxiety thinking that it was even a possibility. And I don't trust Liverpool enough to take away the league from them. So you know what? Thank you, Spurs. Thumbs up. Hey, if, if, from you. If, if City win the league, it's not going to be because we didn't try for crying out loud. It's because no, they mean, have the easiest fixtures coming up, especially against one Manchester United, which lost 4 0 to Everton. Uh, this is never going to get old. I swear <laughs> to God. We've referenced this so many times in this podcast. I hope we beat City 6 0 just so I can laugh at you next week. I hope you guys beat City too, but you know it's not going to happen. Anyways, uh, Peter. Back, back to the game, Peter. Back to the game. Uh, so. Overall, a very, very spirited performance by both sides. But this did leave you guys vulnerable for, for the league. And you guys did lose that league game. But you must be quite happy that you're in the semis of the, the Champions League. Absolutely. It's it's amazing that Pochettino has made the semifinals, especially with the type of injuries that, that Spurs have uh, come across this whole Champions League campaign. Um, so it's actually amazing. It's, it's the furthest that uh, any Spurs manager has taken the team um in the champions league so you know what hats off to him he's made it happen and the players have made it happen i also think what it's done is it's made players like erickson alderweireld um you know anyone who was thinking of leaving they now think this team has a legitimate shot next year of winning Mm -hmm. the champions league if not this year so i think that that's a little bit of an added motivation for them because if they win it this year, their price goes up if they want to move because mm-hmm. now now they're a Champions League winner. Yeah, um, no, and, and the, the other thing about this is that you get to the semis of a Champions League, you are already starting to put yourself into the into the sort of the discussion of being that final destination like we were talking about earlier if spurs can hold on to their players they have the new stadium they hopefully have the increased revenue of being in the semi-final uh, of the champions league and hopefully they finish top three they'll add to their prize winning as well 
this is just more evidence of progress under Pochettino. So do you think that, you know, despite not doing so hard in the league, going this far, this is a step in the right direction for Spurs? And do you think they'll not only be able to keep the 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 talent that they do have, do you think they'll also be able to attract some really, really star players, like world-class players? I think so. Um, I think with the squad we have now, it just takes one or two mid-level signings, depth signings even, to make this team really, really dangerous. Because that's what we're missing this season. We don't have the squad depth that other squads have, but if we were to get those two mid-level players, I think, you know, sky's the limit, for especially for Pochettino and the way that he's working with his players, the type of passion that he shows um, for his players and for the game and for the victory. Um, the way that they won that match showed me it showed all the Spurs supporters it showed all the EPL supporters pretty much everyone in the world that we're not just a flash in the pan you know we, we were exactly we, we went pretty far in the Champions League last year um, in the year before uh, and then we had the Bale uh, hat trick against Inter Milan so Spurs are almost now becoming a perennial Champions League knockout stage team so, I mean, realistically, that's top 16 team in Europe. And I mean, yeah. this really is, the, the cards seem to kind of be in their hands because if Spurs get through Ajax, which is going to be a tough matchup, but it's it's doable, and and if Liverpool you know, can get through Barcelona, that's, that's actually a great matchup for Spurs. And the reason I say this is because I know Liverpool's flying right now, but now at that point, come Champions League final, you know, Spur, Liverpool's fighting for that league title. Um, it's going to be, you know, right after the title. So they're, they're going to have all of their heart, all of their emotion going for that. Liverpool wins the title. They're over the moon. They're joyous. They're, they're flying high. They're going to go to that Champions League final. And I mean, there's, you know, you could catch them, you know, off balance there and vice versa. If they end up losing, you know, to City in the end, you know, they're going to be emotionally drained, exhausted, you know, broken. And then Spurs could catch Liverpool there in the final. I, I disagree with that because for the last mm, seven, eight weeks, this title has not been in our hands at all. It's City have been one point ahead the entire time. And any smart Liverpool fan of which if you go off the internet, there aren't a lot of, but if you go off this podcast, there are a few. Any smart Liverpool fan will know that the best possible thing that we can be hoping for is second place. And anything other than that is just a bonus. So like Liverpool fans will be United fans on Wednesday, hoping that United can take a point off City, but we know it's not going to happen. So all we're doing right now is just hoping for the best. So if we lose to City, if we lose the league to City, you can't realistically say we bottled it because at one point, at one point, no. seven, let me, yeah, at one point, City were seven points ahead. At one point, we were seven points ahead. And we're both finishing the season with over 95 points. That's insane. That's going to be at least 20 points ahead of third place. So it's going to be, it's it's a season to remember for Liverpool, regardless of the result. But if we lose the Premier League, we will be doubly fired up for the Champions League. Okay, Best I, I see where you're coming from. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that Liverpool bottled it if they end up losing the league. No way in hell am I saying that because... Oh no, I'm I just, mean, I'm just for, saying that for Peter's sake. Okay, <laughs> but for, for a team to, to, to end the season, you know, 
beyond 95 points and not win the league is utterly insane. Mm-hmm. This has been it an is. insane season. All I'm saying is that, you know, emotion, I'm not saying they won't be fired up for the game, but you have to also understand that, or at least in my opinion, there, there's going to be some sort of, you know, just emotional drainage like to, to make it that far after so many years and to get that many points in a season and still lose the title i mean there has to yeah, be no, something there I, that affects your psyche I, I, am i, I wrong can see, I, I i can see that but i don't think it applies to this group of players because throughout this throughout the season they have been very calm and collected in interviews klopp has been very very cool under pressure there doesn't seem to be any kind of emotion around this football club that was present the last time we were going up for a, cha- for a title challenge in 13-14. 13-14, everybody was emotional. Steven Gerrard was emotional. Brendan Rodgers was emotional. Sterling was emotional. Everybody was emotional. Now it's just this cool, calm, professional thing. I think the one thing Klopp has brought into this team is that they're more concerned about taking it one game at a time. You win the majority of the games, trophies will come. That's sort of been his philosophy. It's not about, we must win the Premier League now in order to be the best, best whatever. It's That's just fair. about, you know, you win two out of three games, you're going to end up with a trophy at some point and that's, that's always fair. been the, the philosophy that comes there. from their their leader their yeah. best player their rock james milner yes yes boring, <laughs> boring james milner boring james milner but he's done it before he's won the league yeah he knows what it takes and he did it with city mm-hmm. so he knows what it takes he knows what they're going through he knows what those players are going through so realistically he's almost like tapped into the vein of city saying like i know what they're talking about right now i know what they're doing i mean obviously it's going to be a little bit of a a different situation with pep and with a couple different players but you know milner's done that before he's i think that's the one thing between say i know this is a stupid comparison but between milner and gerard was that gerard had never won the league before he was amped up to win the league whereas milner says all right boys let's look at it this way we still have games to go yeah like we can't go out right now and just go fly 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 and keep ourselves uh you know open at the back we have to be good we have to be solid this is it's going to be an interesting final no matter what happens tottenham versus liverpool would have been very interesting because historically those games have always been close but historically also we've always had the edge over tottenham barcelona versus tottenham would have also again been a very interesting matchup i think you have what it takes to uh beat barcelona but only if you're full strength because and right now you're not so having ix it's uh it's going to be a good football match regardless and you know uh, what i would love to see an all english final let's put it that I would way too yeah i think we all would um, so let's just re- recap quickly the last of the uh, Champions League scores. Liverpool 4-1 Porto, absolute units, nothing to see here. Uh, Barcelona beats United 3-0, goals by Messi, courtesy of David De Gea. And, uh, a- and, a Ashley, tra- and Ashley Young. And Ashley Young, and a trademark Coutinho banger. It's good to see him scoring against United, my man. And uh, Ajax stunning Juventus. Um, and you have to say, after a performance like that, Ajax are definitely the dark horse to win it all. That mm-hmm. was quite the display. And uh, a, an end to Ronaldo's reign of terror for the and, Champions League finals. And I have to say, um, there was a newspaper in Amsterdam. I forget which one it was, but uh, they had the headline of the year, Control-Alt-Delete, <laughs> <laughs> which was awesome. <laughs> Control-Alt-Delete. Yeah, it was, it was a fantastic headline. 
I'm pretty sure they ripped it off a of Reddit compound. Like I'm 99 percent sure. They <laughs> it doesn't off matter. Of it was fantastic, and, and it, it was great to see. And you know, I and I think it was Andre that said last week on the pod that he uh, that you know he he wanted to see the the underdog kind of make it through, and he was kind of rooting for Porto and Ajax. And I mean, Liverpool you know did a number on Porto, but it was nice to see Ajax you know knock Juventus down a peg, and and I hope that they can you know make it far, and and it's going to be a great matchup between them and Spurs, and, and I'm pumped to see it. it to go def- back. Sorry, to go back to the Manchester United needing to go to youth and go to academy, um, just to put this into perspective, Ajax have played 1,751 consecutive games with at least one academy graduate in the starting 11. That streak dates back to 1982. Jesus. So, Champions League semifinalists, Ajax, perennial Dutch League champions... They're doing it with the. They're doing it with kids. They're, they're doing so, it the right way. I think yeah, the, the, exactly. the, the football romantics way for sure. Yeah. So before we wrap up the uh, this podcast for this week, let's have a quick. And I know we've kind of been talking about it on and off throughout this podcast. So I think we're just all excited that Justin is back, so we could really bash United, take the United bashing to another level. But we will talk about this formally now. It is the preview for the Manchester Derby, a potentially season-deciding fixture for Manchester City. If they win they will most likely end up winning the Premier League because the remaining three opposition don't look like giving them a particularly hard time. Brendan Rodgers of Leicester might have something to say because Vardy is 8-8. in That's to be seen. What we need to focus right now is can United recover from that heartbreaking loss against Everton? Can they pull their stones together and produce a result? Are they even capable of producing a result against City? They can, and I, I think they will. Um, I'm, I'm going to be optimistic here. Look, to lose to Barcelona, it was expected. Nobody expected us to beat Barcelona. That first game, you know, they played well. Second game, we knew it was coming and, you know, all the power to them. But to, to lose to Everton the way they did with everybody playing as horrible as they did, um, you have to come out flying. You know what I mean? Especially after, you know, uh, Solskjaer came out and sort of lit a fire under their asses. You had Neville coming out, letting a fire under their asses. They need to come out flying. And, and I think that they will. I think that, I think that one of the best things that could have happened for Liverpool is for them, for United to lose 4 nothing to, um, to Everton. That's, I was, I was going to get onto that because it, it almost feels like the fire has now been lit. And, now and they're going to have some- a point to prove. And they're coming out against their biggest rivals, a team that, you know, we don't like, uh, the the players don't like. It's always a great matchup. And you know what? And now it's, it's, our, it's our chance to sort of um, steal the league from them. Um, you know, they, they stole the league from us uh, a couple years ago, uh, famously. And now it's Aguero! our turn. It's, it's, <laughs> I'm reminded of it every time I listen to our podcast and our theme song. It's, <laughs> you, put, you put that in. I know. I, it's a yeah, great call. Like it was weird, a great call by Martin Tyler. You know what I mean? I got to give the guy Masochistic props, piece of editing right it is. there. But uh, that being said, look, I, it's going to be a great matchup. And, and I think that they're going to have a lot to prove. And um, I think if any team can do it, it's going to be United. And, and, and if there's any team that I want to beat in the remaining four games of the season, it's City. And so, you know what? Like, let's go, boys. All, all full cylinders and uh, let's come out flying and let's do Liverpool a favor. And I never thought I'd say that, but I hate City so much. Let's let's do it. Oh, Lord. I don't think anybody's going to agree with you by saying Liverpool. <laughs> let's do Liverpool a favor. But you know what? Van Dyke came out th- today. I don't know why he's being interviewed or asked about this, but he was asked about the upcoming derby. And, you know, he said, do you think 
United will be able to do you a favor. And they, he basically just said, I think they need to do themselves a favor. So you may end up like it's it's kind of a harsh thing to say, but at the same time, he was asked. But, and it's 100 percent true. But he's right. Yeah, we're not you know, like we're not. I was I was obviously being, you know, facetious there. But, you know, we're not out to do Liverpool any favors, not to do any team any favors. We're to do our, ourselves a favor. And we need to, to step up and show that we are Man United. We are one of the best clubs in the world. Uh, we have some of the best support in the world. And now it's time for our players to step up and, and, and sort of, you know, live up to that name. You know, we are we are one of the most prestigious clubs in the entire world uh, in this sport. And so we need to sort of live up to that name, live up to the badge, uh, to the crest and 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 go out there and, and produce a result. If I'm Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I'm going into that dressing room and saying, do you want Manchester to be blue for another year? If you want this, Manchester this man to be red, it. if you want it to be red, you need to go out and leave everything on the pitch. Even if we don't finish top four, even if we don't finish, you know, if we finish sixth, it doesn't matter. But let's take the, the title away from them. Yeah. They got the Champions League taken away from them by Spurs. Now we need to do our part and take the title away from them. All of this will mean nothing if they can't shut down City in the first 20 minutes. And Peter, you know a little bit about setting up to attack City. Now, United aren't as good as Spurs. We've seen that over the course of the season. But when they're on their game, when that front three really clicks, they can destroy anybody. So how crucial is it that they set up to attack City right at the beginning? And is City's defense even capable of holding them up like that? Um, it, it depends. It depends. If Rashford, Martial, and Lukaku are on their game, there's, there's going to be a bunch of goals in this game. Because Laporte, as we saw in the Champions League, not that great of a defender. Let's nope. be real. Company, losing a little bit of a step now. We're, we're being honest about this. Kyle Walker gets so far forward and relies on his, his, his uh, athleticism to get back all the time. If you can catch them on the break, they crumble. Yeah. Um, and especially with uh, Fernandinho being an injury concern, De Bruyne being an injury concern. Yeah, De Bruyne is probably not going to be starting at this point. It, it's, it definitely sets up well for, for United to go balls to the wall. Let's be real and try to try to score early try to yeah. get up early if they just sit back early and try to absorb the pressure they're going to get they're going to get demolished yeah they need to like attack S- city's mo is to score one two in the first 20 minutes and then just systemically just w- work the ball and break the opposition down that's how they've dismantled pretty much every team up until this point and united have to stop that what, do you think do you think, Justin, that they're going to let City have the ball? Or do you think they're going to try and attack it and try and play their own game against them? I hope not. Uh, I don't think that our defense, our back line, is strong enough to sort of give City the ball and, and try to beat them on the counter. So I hope that we we take it to them and, and really try to play sort of out of the midfield and, and, and keep the ball as, as much as we can and sort of retain possession. Um, I don't think that Solskjaer is the kind of, of manager who will tell them to go out there and, and, and be like Mourinho and sort of sit back and let uh, City come at them. So I don't think they will. Um, but like I said, I hope not because I just don't think that our back line is strong enough to... I mean, you need to stick Luke Shaw to Sergio Aguero like 
like tape like you need him on there he, he can't let him free um, and then I feel like you really need Rashford fly on all cylinders you need Pogba fly on all cylinders uh, and you know Martial who's probably going to start as well you need him out there flying on all cylinders and if you have if you get uh, if you can get a, a full 90 minutes out of those three players uh, a good solid 90 minutes and I think that we really do have a chance of, of beating City And I, but I, I think that we need to take the game to them we can't let them come at us because they more important more importantly than them having good first first touch in the final third is the fact that they all need to track back because this city team can pile numbers forward and really hurt you if somebody's still left up the field and we've seen how devastating sterling sane uh, and aguero are on the counter even jesus when he's played they are devastatingly quick probably just as quick as liverpool are and uh you don't really want that to happen right no, not at all. And and that's one of my biggest complaints about Paul Pogba is that he just has this this horrible track record of tracking back and, and you know, is is not defensive by any means. And I feel mm. like he, you know, he you need him to be. You need the entire um you need the entire uh squad to sort of be playing as a unit. Like we did against um Spurs back when De Gea made, you know, insane and I forget what it was 11 or 12 saves that right, game right. Uh, that's what happens you had all 11 players playing together as a unit all getting back all defending and and that sort of is what you're gonna need you're gonna need that and more to go out and beat City midweek absolutely um, score predictions lads um, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go I wanted to say 2-1 United um, but realistically I think this may be a 1-0 for United I'm going to say 2-1 United. That was the score that I had in my head, and that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going with a 2-2 draw. I don't think either defense is good enough to keep the others out. But I think because of the the way they, they lost against Everton on the weekend, there will be a very strong result. And I think United's going to end up giving up a lead to City, who will fight back because they're chasing a Premier League because that's the only big trophy, as Peter said, to play for, even though the FA Cup is a thing. Anyways... That is it for the Starting 11 EPL edition for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. As always, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast media. We are sure to be on there as the Starting 11 Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as XI Podcast. Leave comments and enter our Pozuelo giveaway jersey contest thing on our website xipodcast.com I'm not very good at chilling ourselves but you know what you got the message you understand go enter so you can win some free stuff from us free swag free swag and Pozuelo swag was the best swag uh, as you got MLS player of the week he did but we're not talking about him right now we're talking about giving away his jersey damn it fine too eager too eager bad Peter bad (laughs) anyways thank you so much for listening from all of us here this has been the starting 11 Thank you again. And Justin, welcome back. Thank you, buddy. And Peter Robinson. Uh, Support Manchester United. (laughs) 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 And from myself, Cengiz Khan, did you know that you can support local football? (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Thanks, We'll see you next time on the Toronto FC edition.